0: Hey, it's Nathan, and this is day 77 of the Bible in 90 Days. We're finishing Luke, beginning in chapter 21, and moving into John, all the way through John chapter 5. Luke 21 begins with the story of the widow's selfless offering of two copper coins, also found in Mark 12. This is followed by Jesus' response to the disciples' question regarding the destruction of Jerusalem. Jerusalem in which he also addressed larger global devastation before his return. Much of this teaching overlaps with Matthew 24. A few words of Jesus' teaching here are well worth noting. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly, like a trap, For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. During this time, Jesus was teaching in the temple and spending his nights on the Mount of Olives. Luke 22, a chapter, by the way, I highly recommend you read begins with Judas making arrangements to betray Jesus, and is a more detailed account than found either in Matthew or Mark. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas. The chapter then tells of the preparation for the celebration of the Passover and the Last Supper. During the Last Supper, Jesus declared to his disciples, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. You'll find similar details in Matthew 26 and Mark 14. After this, the dispute over who will be the greatest is told, also found in Matthew 20 and Mark 10. In the midst of the supper conversation, Jesus warned Simon, that's Peter, of Satan's effort to destroy him and then said, But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Immediately following this is Jesus' prediction that Peter, in spite of his boasted courage, would deny Jesus. Three times. You'll find, again, details of this conversation, at least this prediction, in Matthew 26 and Mark 14. The next elements are Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane, his arrest, Peter's denial, the mocking guards, and finally Jesus before the religious leaders, all found in similar detail in Matthew 26 and Mark 14. Luke 23 finds Jesus being brought before Pilate. And you'll find that in Matthew 27 and Mark 15. However, Luke includes significantly more detail. Two things of note. First, that when Pilate discovered Jesus was a Galilean, he sent him to Herod, who had jurisdiction of that region. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. He plied him with many questions. But Jesus gave him no answer. On top of this, the Jewish leaders vehemently accused him. That is Jesus. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate finds Jesus innocent and then gave in to the crowd's demand for release of Barabbas and the crucifixion of Jesus. Again, details similar to Matthew 27 and Mark 15. Luke's account of the crucifixion contains a few more details than found in either Matthew 27 or Mark 15. First, Jesus' words to the woman or the women, I should say, weeping as he was led to Calvary. Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. Then he predicted awful suffering to come. Second, Jesus' words of forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Third, in the middle of all the mocking, One of two criminals crucified with Jesus turned to him asking, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus then died and was buried. Events also recorded in Matthew and Mark. Luke 24, a chapter well worth reading, the final chapter here of the book of Luke, tells the resurrection story. The details of resurrection morning largely overlap with Matthew 28 and Mark 16. However, Luke also observes Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Next, we come to the story of two travelers heading to the village of Emmaus. Travelers mentioned briefly in Mark 16. Their followers of Jesus engaged in an intense conversation about the events that have just taken place in Jerusalem. Jesus joined the conversation, appearing unaware of the whole tragic affair. So the travelers tell the story. And then Jesus began to expound the prophetic evidence that explained what had just happened. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As these grieving believers neared their destination, they invited Jesus to stay. And as they sat down for dinner, their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They quickly returned to Jerusalem, recounting their experience to the gathered disciples. The next scene begins. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. What followed was a touching interaction with his grieving, shocked disciples, persuading them that indeed he was the real Jesus, risen from the dead. This interaction ended with Jesus telling his disciples, You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The chapter and book end with Jesus' ascension into heaven and the disciples returning with joy to Jerusalem. Then we come to John. Each of the gospel accounts of Jesus' life take on a unique, rich flavor. While many stories overlap, the accounts also differ, as you've noticed, no doubt, as each author captures the story of Jesus through their own unique lens for a unique audience. John chapter 1, by the way, a chapter you really ought to read, begins... There's no simple way to capture the magnificence of John's introduction, which continues, by the way. You'll just have to read it for yourself. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John then turns to recount the ministry of John the Baptist, some of which overlaps with Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as, of course, you would expect. John understood his ministry, that is, John the Baptist understood his ministry to be a direct fulfillment of the words of the prophet Isaiah I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist then recounted the evidence he's seen and knows that confirmed that jesus was the messiah i have seen and i testify that this is god's chosen one the next day john the baptist saw jesus again two of his disciples peter and andrew turned and followed jesus john then tells of the calling of philip and nathaniel that's john the writer of the book not john the baptist Nathanael was shocked to hear that an upstanding religious teacher had grown up in the backwater town of Nazareth. But when he met Jesus and encountered his prophetic insight, he became a believer and followed Jesus. John 2 tells the beautiful story of Jesus' first sign, as John the writer refers to them miraculously providing wine for a couple's wedding when the supply ran short before the celebration had ended. The chapter ends with Jesus at the time of the Passover clearing the temple of merchants and currency exchangers. This event is similar to one later in Jesus' ministry, found in the other Gospels, but was in fact near the beginning of his public ministry. When accosted by the temple authorities for his actions, he uttered a prophecy about his coming death. Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. This prophecy would later reinforce the faith of his disciples. John 3, another chapter well worth reading, is another chapter that's impossible to capture. It's mostly taken up by a nighttime conversation between Jesus and a Pharisee named Nicodemus. The chapter contains, as you may be aware, the most famous words of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I'll continue a bit more. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. These words are part of Jesus' longer conversation that night with Nicodemus about faith and salvation. The rest of the chapter returns to the story of John the Baptist and a conversation he had with his disciples about Jesus' growing ministry. And this conversation gives evidence to John the Baptist's selfless joy at Jesus' success. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. The chapter ends, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. John 4, another chapter well worth reading, tells the incredible story of Jesus meeting a broken woman at a deserted well in the blazing heat of midday. One critical thing you should know about the story, she's a Samaritan, a member of a people group despised by the Jews. John's narrative is quite detailed, including an incredible revelation Jesus gave to the woman. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples showed up and the woman ran back to town to tell everyone the incredible news. She had just met the Messiah Jesus and the disciples spent two days in the town, and many became believers. The final story in the chapters of Jesus healing a royal official's deathly ill son. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. That very hour, his son was healed. John notes, this was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea, to Galilee. John 5 begins with an incredible story the healing of a man, an invalid for 38 years. Jesus simply instructed him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. By now, you know that means trouble for both the man and Jesus which the story reports. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The rest of the chapter records Jesus' defense of his ministry and his explanation of his relationship to the Father. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. The works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And that's all for today.